And everybody say, Amina. Amina. That means amen. And I said, praise the Lord. And everybody in English says, oh, that is so weak. I said, praise the Lord. Amen. Woo! What a joy it is to be with you. And uh, what a privilege it is to even remind you of what we're doing. You guys are making an impact around the world as a church. And I'm so privileged to be part of this church. And, and, and I want you to know that this is possible because you guys support us. Listen, I'm a missionary. Shannon Hurley's my name. And I'm from Uganda, Africa. We had an African brother. Where is he? Where's the one guy from Nigeria? There he is. Woo! Good to see you. Listen, it is a joy and a privilege. I believe with all my heart that today God is moving in Africa more than anywhere else in the world. You say, of course you say that as a missionary, and of course I should say that, right? But the reality is, is I believe in this last hour, and we believe that we're in the day of the Gentiles. Am I right? And these, I believe, are the last days of the Gentiles. Well, there has never been a movement in Africa throughout church history. I believe today is that movement. I believe in the last hour, God wants to let the foolish things of this world shame the, who's the wise? <laughs> okay, I will not ask that. But I believe God wants Africa to be a voice of truth today. If we go back 80 years ago, Jesus Christ wasn't known. Today he's known throughout Africa. And so our, I had the privilege 12 years ago of moving over to Africa. First eight years were crazy hard. But we had a mission. Our mission was to make Christ known in Uganda. After the first three years of trials, we then moved to a small village where nobody knew Jesus Christ. One of those kids in my little village was a boy right here, now a man named John Mobidu. John, take a stand. He didn't know Jesus Christ, nor did anyone in our village know the reality of Christ. And everybody was living after their passions. Everybody was doing their own thing. And we came in there and said, wait a second here. And, and suffering the pain and the consequences of such a lifestyle. And that's because in Africa, they don't know the Jesus of the Bible. They know a health, wealth, and prosperity Jesus, but that's not our Jesus. Our Jesus came to deal with a problem called what? Sin. And so we come on the, the premise of, of their Jesus, and we say, listen, can I show you the real Jesus? And we came into our village and we began to show them the Jesus who saves from sin. The Jesus who wants to rule over their lives for their good and for his glory. And today, by the grace of God, despite us, we have a church of 300 people in our village. And not only that, but we are discipling kids through a primary school uh, called Legacy Christian Academy, where we have 300 kids through fourth grade Next year we had fifth grade, the next year after that sixth grade, and every year we had 50 kids. We're trying to build a high school so that we can have 750 kids from our village trained and discipled to know Jesus Christ, amen? And then not only that, but we started working with the Baptist Union because we want not just to reach a village for Christ, 
we want to see churches proclaiming Christ throughout East Africa. So what we did was we built a relationship with the Baptist Union of Uganda, 1,500 churches. It was a scattered denomination. It was left and neglected. And we came and said, hey, boys, come on. Let's come together. And we began to do conferences and leadership trainings. We began to visit these guys in their churches. And we pulled the union together and we're charging them and encouraging them. And now they're a unified union seeking to make Christ known. But the problem is they're not trained from A to Z. So what do we need to do next? What do we need to do next? Train them. So that's why we've established a pastoral training center. And you see the buildings are there. We just put three dorms up and we're trying to put more dorms. But the problem is, is professors, we also need professors. So we need to train them in the U.S. and we need to get them out. So that's one reason John's here. John is going to the Master's University this next year. Amen? And, uh, and we just praise the Lord for what he's doing. But we need to train up pastors and what, here so that they can be professors there. Not only that, but we need to give them a place to live so we're putting faculty housing up. You guys will get, I don't know when, but you guys will get a card like this. Uh, when is that? Where is that? Outside there's a card like this. I would love someone to hand them out to the families because we need help. We have a grant that someone's given us, and these things are miracles. For us to get a training center that trains somebody from A to Z, it's a miracle. He needs first a crazy missionary so, but then he sent me out. I'm not so crazy, am I? Okay, okay, he got me. And then with that, that's gonna have a crazy dream of seeing Christ everywhere. And so with that, then we need people that are gonna help and, and jump on and, and raise money. And he's provided it. We have on probably 40 buildings in Uganda because you can't do anything without buildings, right? So that's going to be the training ground where we're going to train pastors from A to Z. And then when we train them, now we're going to produce every year, by the grace of God, in time, 30 pastors of which will be ready and armed, fully loaded. Right? Okay, we're not sending half-loaded people. We're going to send them fully loaded, and then we're going to church plant them all throughout East Africa. That's what our vision is. So with that, we have a ministry matching grant, and I want to ask you, I need your help. I want to ask you if I was proper, I'd get on my knees and I would beg of you because I can't do this alone. I need your help. We have a ministry matching grant for $400,000. They'll match dollar for dollar. And I need you guys to jump on and help out. So please get on board. Please help us. Please sacrifice with us. I didn't go to Africa to sit around. I came to work. And uh, I was a businessman beforehand, and I know that if these people work so hard for secular purposes, we as pastors, as missionaries, need to kick can for biblical purposes, am I right? For kingdom purposes, and our message will be surrounded around this today. But please, you'll get one of these cards. Go to our website and give. Go and help, and just put for a ministry matching grant, and let that get doubled. The other thing we need, and some of you guys say, I'm on. Some of you guys say, well, I don't have the resources to do that, but can you help us monthly? We, well, we, have, we have about a 6,000 gap we need filled. And so we then just by mom and pop giving whatever each month. The problem is you build a budget off of what comes in monthly. And when we look at ours, we have a big gap. So this last year, we're not doing conferences 
because we don't have the resources, because we're growing this way, but we're not growing this way financially. And so I want to ask, be a part. And listen, I love cheerleaders, but cheerleaders don't help you on the field. Does that make sense? They may motivate you, encourage you when you hear them, but when you're on the field, you're like, you're having to move. You need someone to help you on the field And so I'm inviting you to help us on the field. And if you love us and you really love us, you're going to help us in this thing. Because we're not just just a local church. We're a local church, a primary school. We're running a denomination, and we're starting a pastoral training center that's going to rock East Africa. And so we want you to be a part of it. Does that make sense? So I ask you as a church, and this is a way you'll love us. We'll be in your mind if you give to us. We will not be in your mind. It will be out of sight, out of mind if you don't. And so I want to ask you, please participate with us as a ministry. Please participate. I would pray to that end. Amen? Amen. Last thing I'm going to say about us. How many of you guys love Jesus? How many? That's how many we want in Uganda this next summer. All right. Woo! Look, and listen, this is the way we do it, okay? I know some of you guys say, well, you know, our pastor's daughter's from Albania, and that's awesome. We want that. So this is my plan. You see, to get to Africa, you need to stop in Europe. So you guys just keep coming all the way, wave to Albania from the sky, come all the way to Uganda, chill with us for a few days, and on the way back, you got to stop in Europe anyways. Go hang out with the Kramers. Good plan? Good plan? All right, we'll see you next summer. Let me say this. I would encourage all of you, older people as well, leave your little world for a moment and come to Africa. And the reason I say that is because we want to empower you to live for the kingdom. When you see what we're doing, you're going to come back mission full. And that's the way we want you. I was reading your bulletin this morning. And as I saw it, it said this, and it was already this morning, but I want to read it to you again. On your bulletin front cover, it says this. We exist to... Come on, we're in Africa now, okay? Pretend I look black, I know. We exist, you rep- I say something, you repeat it. We exist to glorify God by exalting the... Exalting the... Keep that in mind. Equipping the saints and what? I'm sorry, extending the what? I'm sorry, the what? What a weird word. Listen to me. I want to make that, I want to put color to that black and white statement this morning. So if you'll turn your Bibles to Matthew 28, I want us to look at this passage together. We seek, we exist to glorify God by exalting the Savior, by exalting the Savior, by equipping the saints, and by extending the kingdom. As you turn there, let us go before our King right now and ask Him for help. Let's pray. Father, we come to you. You are the King of kings and Lord of lords. Lord, everyone who is a Christian here, we have all confessed that you are Lord, that you are Master.
Oh Lord, bring truth, bring insight to that today that we might understand it more fully, we'd understand our responsibility before you, and we'd live out our calling. Father, help us to that end, we pray. Amen. Amen? Matthew 28, look with me in verse 16 to 20. I want to read it, and this is where God will speak most clearly, and so let us hear him speak from his word Verse 16, let's read together. But the 11 disciples proceeded to Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had designated. When they saw him, they, but some were doubtful. Jesus came up and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. My brothers and sisters of Grace Church of the Valley, I'm excited for this new day that's coming. I walked through your building the other day, and that is exciting. And one thing I say in Uganda all the time, that the success of our ministry is not our buildings. The success of our ministry are the impact of Christ within those buildings But it is an exciting day because you will have buildings there that will facilitate ministry that can impact this whole entire community, both far and wide. Amen? And this is an exciting day. And if you aren't excited, then wake yourself up. So today I want to come and I want to stimulate your minds. And what I want to do is I want to, in some ways, take us back to the ABCs of Christianity. And and, and I want to bring us to this familiar passage. And what I want to do is take out a, I can never say the word. My wife tried to practice with me and I completely failed. I want to take those machines that shock you when you're about to die. And I'm not saying that you're about to die, but I want to shock you whether you're alive, dead, or whatever. I want to shock you nonetheless. And I, because I want to fire you up. Because I believe if Jesus Christ were here, he would do the same. And what I want to fire you up for is I want to fire you up for the kingdom. Because we live in a day in which, I, and living in Africa, it's, we live here in America, and it's not reality. You guys live in Disneyland, okay? You live in Disneyland, and you don't realize that the rest of the world is starving. The rest of the world is neglected. Children are raising themselves. Sin is prevalent. You don't realize how wonderful it is to live in America. You've got people that won't stand for the national of anthem. I think, what is wrong with you people? We live in the greatest country in the world. 
And the reason it's great is because we have for so long upheld Christian value. And that dominates our society. So even an unbeliever knows that divorce is wrong. Even an unbeliever knows that to neglect your kids is wrong. You have laws that protect you from such things. The rest of the world doesn't have that. And things are falling apart in third world countries because of a lack of resources while we are living in Disneyland. And, and the problem is, we don't even understand this term kingdom. But when we read our Bibles, it says that we are to first seek first what? His? His what? That's a message to us. We are, we are to seek first His what? So that's what's to drive us. This kingdom, 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 kingdom. But we are so far removed from this idea of kingdom that we don't seek it. We don't even know what it is. So this message here is extremely important. I want to give you, to guide our thinking and our attention, I want to show you four components of this passage. How many? Four. Four components. Kids, how many? Four. Four. Okay, good. Four components of this passage. I want us to look first at the background. I want to set the stage. I want to take you to Galilee. Let's look first at God's word, and then we'll all show you and bring this to life. Verses 16 and 17 say this. Are we reading again? Here we go. But the 11 disciples proceeded to Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had designated. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some were doubtful. When you study the New Testament and you study the disciples, you realize at this time in their lives, it is after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. This was the most confusing time in the life of the disciples. And in many ways, these events were utterly shocking. And these guys, after at the death of Christ, were just were, were aimless. And they were kind of wandering around, not really knowing what to do, because they had followed Jesus for three and a half years. And, and in their mind, they knew the Old Testament enough to know that a Messiah was going to come and was going to be a king and rule from where? Jerusalem. So they're following Jesus taking persecution, all the while knowing that one day he's going to sit on a throne and they are going to be positioned to his right and to his. So they're like, hey, I am in position. You, Jesus likes me. I like him. I'm following him. I'm going to be right there. So understand, they left their occupations. They left everything to follow Christ. So at the time of his death, Everything shattered. You can imagine this one you're following all of a sudden dies, and you're like, what, what do we do now? Where do we go? All of a sudden, Jesus appears, and they're like, okay, all right, all right now he's going to bring in the kingdom. He begins to teach to them, and then boom, gone. But he tells them to go to Galilee. So you can imagine them going to Galilee, all the while confused. 
And this event takes place probably a week after Jesus had died and, and appeared to them. So during that week, you can imagine the confusion. You can imagine them being totally mystified on what was taking place. And Jesus appears to them all of a sudden at the shore. And then all of a sudden, he disappears. And, and this is what's going on. And they are sitting here aimless. They are sitting here in need of direction. When Jesus died, the whole world came crashing down. And they were desperately asking God, what do we do? And Jesus comes and he gives these disciples, and not only these 11 disciples, but listen, these disciples right here, direction. Not just for the day, but for their whole lives. This right here, and the passage of this should drive every one of us. Every one of us, whether you are a farmer or you are a banker, or whether you're an engineer, or whatever you are. It should drive all of us. And so I want you to understand what's going on here. And the, the story develops with them going to this hill. Now Galilee, and some of you guys here, I hear, are going there. You, everyone needs to go to Israel. But when you're on Galilee, you're on the sea, you can look up and there are hills all around. So Jesus says, I want you to go to this designated hill. We have no idea what this hill was. But you can imagine they're on a hill overlooking the Sea of Galilee. And they're waiting for Jesus. And it says that, that ultimately, Jesus, they see Jesus. So you can imagine they're on this hill, and probably Jesus is coming up this hill. And some of the details we can't fully see, but they're probably coming up this hill, and they see him. They witness him. And again, Jesus is probably in a glorified being, so he's probably majestic in some ways. They see him, and it says there's two responses. What are those responses? It says that they what? Verse 17, they saw him, and they what? worshipped him, but some were doubtful. There were two responses. Some see Jesus, and they fall down, and they give him worship. You say, why? Why did they give him worship? Because they understood that this Jesus was their Messiah. They understood that this Jesus just rose from the dead. They understood that this Jesus was God, and that he had come from heaven to earth, they realized that this Jesus had just died for their sins. And their hearts were filled with worship, overflowing with worship. So they couldn't help but give an appropriate response of adoration and exaltation. But some were doubtful. I wonder what I would have been because they were doubtful for obvious reasons, someone just rose from the dead. Confusing. How, I mean, how would you respond? Someone raises from the dead and you're there, you kind of be like, you know, what, what's going on? So you can relate. And one thing I love about the Bible, it's honest, isn't it? I mean, if it was someone writing it, trying to fake people out, they would just give the truth without the reality. But the Bible gives us both. 
But it says that as Jesus came, as they responded, and so you can envision the disciples here. Blake, am I allowed to step on this? They're here. Jesus probably walks past them. This is how I envision the passage. The disciples are here. Jesus walks beyond them, and he does something. Something that they would have never expected. He gives an announcement. And that gives us to the second part of this passage, the announcement. And before I say this announcement, my friends, my brothers and sisters, you must hear this announcement. This announcement is glorious. This is the announcement that Jesus wanted them to know. This is the announcement that Jesus wants you right here to know. You must hear it. You must hear it. You must hear it. Because this announcement is to drive every part of our being. This announcement right here. Let me draw your attention to verse 18. And let us see this glorious announcement and as we give this announcement every one of you stand for this glorious announcement come on it's an announcement and we want to make sure you're not sleeping during it Jesus stands before his disciples as I'm standing before you and he says these words all authority has been given to me All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. I believe he gave it just like that. Sit down. Jesus is making a declaration. One that was extremely shocking. But he tells them that, listen, you wanted me as the king of Jerusalem. But I have an announcement to make to you, my brothers and sisters. I am not just the king of Jerusalem. I have been given all authority. I have been given what? All authority. I have been made the king of all kings, not just Jerusalem. I have been given all authority. You say, Shannon, what in the world is this authority? Listen to me very closely because we don't live in kingdom days. But listen, we come from kingdom days. Remember we like ran from the king in uh, the UK? You remember that? Like rebelled against, okay, but we won't go there. We don't live in kingdom days, but the rest of the world does. They know what a king is. They know what a kingdom is. They live in that society. I live in the Buganda kingdom So I understand this too, and we as Americans need to understand this. Because as Americans, one thing we value is freedom. And really that freedom is freedom from any authority but ourselves. And so this message must be heard, and that is Jesus' declaration that all authority belongs to me. This word authority is a Greek word that speaks of being in charge, having control, having power, the authority and the right to rule over all things. It's the idea that I have now been made king of everything. Everything belongs to me. I have authority over it. 
And see, by being the creator, it gives authority. Just like if you start a company, you have authority over that company. In the same way, God started the earth, and that gave him authority over his creation. And the Father, somehow, right here, gives that authority to who? To who? Jesus Christ. He gives that authority to Christ, and Christ says, listen, now I have all that authority. I have authority over heaven and, and earth. Wow. It's the same thing we know from Philippians chapter 2, verses 9 through 11. You guys know that passage, don't you? Where it says, for this reason, God highly exalted him, that is Jesus Christ, and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that at the name of, at the name of Jesus, every knee will what? Why bow? Because that's how you respond to a king. Every knee will bow, every tongue will confess Jesus Christ as Lord. That idea of Lord is master of all things, the owner of everything. Listen, God the Father gave the Son this highly exalted position over all things. And he is declaring that he is not just the king of earth, but he's been given the king of everything. And this should have been obvious to those who studied the Bible. Those who knew the prophets, they should have known this because Daniel 7.13, Daniel 7.13 says these words, listen to them. Daniel 7.13 gives a prophecy that says this, I kept looking in the night visions and behold with the cloud of heaven, one like the Son of Man was coming. One like the what? Son of Man. Jesus' favorite term of himself. Why? Because he was declaring that I am the son of man. So one like the son of man, Jesus Christ was coming and he came up to the ancient of days. Who's the ancient of days? The father. And was presented before him. And to him was given, and to him was given by the father dominion, glory, and a kingdom. He was given a kingdom. You say, why was he given a kingdom? It says that all the peoples, nations, and men of every language might serve him. Might serve him. Listen, Jesus is coming before his disciples and he's saying, I am the king that you all might serve me. That's what he's saying. I am the King of kings. I am the Lord of lords. Listen, there is a mysterious thing going on. We are living in a kingdom. Hear me. We are living in a kingdom. We are living in His kingdom. See, we don't realize this. We, don't, we forget this in our day to day. But there is a king over it all. And His name is Jesus Christ. And we belong to His kingdom. We all are responsible to report to him. 
My dear friends, there's a fact that must drive our lives. It must be, must be etched in our thinking. It must be on the forefront of our hearts. It must be the driving compulsion of our ministries and everything about us. It is the fact that God is the universal king on a throne right now, ruling, and we are in his kingdom. It's not about us. It's about his majesty. And this right here, this truth, on this truth, he now comes to the disciples and says, in light of this truth about me, I want to, I want to commission you to a task. You say, Shannon, why do you say that? Well, look at the words that you are so familiar with. Verse 19. What, is the, what are the words? Go what? Guanji, say, say again. Go what? Therefore, you see that word therefore? It's therefore go. In light of this truth about me, therefore I want you to go. My dear friends, let me take you from the announcement to now the instruction or the commission. Listen to God's commission, not of just these 11 disciples, because in the end we're going to see that he's going to be with us even to the end of the age. That means this instruction is not just for them, it's an instruction for what? For us. This is an instruction to you, regardless of your occupation. And listen, we must get to the time, to the maturity, where we stop separating the secular from the sacred. Ministry is no different than business. They all must be used for what? Kingdom. This truth about Christ being Lord, it, it, it's a universal thing to people. And they must use whatever they have for service to him as master. Listen, I, I talk with businessmen all the time because I was a businessman. And I'm, I'm shocked and I'm frustrated because businessmen so often will give God the last fruits instead of the first fruits. Because we're so consumed with being comfortable that we, we don't care about kingdom. Kingdom is there as long as I am served, as long as I have. But listen, this, we go from this little earthly kingdom into the eternal what? Kingdom. Before there, we know there is a what? Millennial kingdom. But everything's kingdom, and that kingdom is the kingdom of heaven. And whatever we do here is stored in that future kingdom. That's what we know, Right? So let us come together to the third component, the instruction or the commission. Look with me in verse 19 and 20, as God himself commissions you. Go therefore and make disciples of, of Uganda. Okay, I mean of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all that I have commanded. My dear friends, I want you to see this passage differently. I don't like the translation disciples here because I think it is not 
as clear as it would be if we translated it more literally in this sense. A disciple is a what? I'm um, Say that again. Is a, listen, a follower. A what? A follower. Check this out. There is one verb in this section. It's make disciples. Make disciples. That is the exhortation. That is the verb. That is the imperative. Go to, to, to make disciples disciples the king says this I have authority I am the king go and what make followers listen I'm the king go out into this world and get everybody everybody to follow me to follow me oh listen you, the Bible, according to 1 Peter chapter 2, says that he saved us. He made us a kingdom of priests so that we would proclaim the excellencies of him. That you might proclaim that he is Lord. And that everyone, all places, everywhere might what? Bend the knee to Jesus as their Lord or as their king. Oh, your job is simple. You go everywhere. Proclaim that this world, there's more to it. That you're in the kingdom of Christ and there's a king named Jesus. And you call them to follow that king. This is exactly what we're doing in Uganda. Exactly. And listen... When we go, we're, we're going to where? All nations. All nations. Jesus is calling us to go into the world. Go to every tongue, every nation. And listen, that's what we are to be. Go wherever. But listen, he, he describes this. If we're to look at the Greek here, it's an imperative to make disciples. And you say, Shannon, well, how do we make these disciples? Well, the passage is clear because three participles are related to it. And see, a, ver a participle is something that describes a verb. So these participles describe how we are to make disciples. And so there's three ways that we're to make disciples. First thing is go. Go is a participle describing what we need to do. First thing we need to do is what? Again? Go. Oh, dear friends. I might be yelling a lot. But it's because we have a job to do. And I'm concerned because many of us don't realize you've been employed and saved by the master for a job. And that job is to make Christ known. But see, the first thing you need to do is go. Go. Go out and make disciples. You need to go. My friends, we cannot sit around. We need to go. And listen, we need to go to the lonely. We need to go to the hurting. We need to go to the broken. We need to go to our neighbor right here in this church. Do you realize people are coming in here that need Jesus? They're right here in this church. 
and we're not going. We come here, we leave, and all we think about is our work. But we have a mission. You must go on, on duty. You must go to work for the king. Go. You say, Shannon, why does he want us to go and have us worship him? Can I tell you why? It's because he knows that there is joy in following him. He knows that this world has so much to offer. And when someone follows Jesus as king, there is joy. That life is sweet. I'll explain this more in a moment. Not only are we to go, but we are to baptize. What is baptism? Baptism is the event whereby someone publicly is baptized and acknowledges, is dunked in water and raises up to acknowledge that Jesus Christ is what? We're to go out, and when we're to go out, we're to drag them in. And listen, let me just say this, my brothers and sisters, we are to drag them in. You say, Shannon, where is that? Well, listen. They are, we all have theology, right? What is an unbeliever? A corpse, okay, they're dead. Does a dead person walk? We know that in theological terms, we would call them what? Sinners, not just sinners, but totally what? Depraved. Listen, I want to help you understand something. Totally depraved people don't run to the light, they run from it. And the only thing that gets into the light is love, love, and love. So you love them and bring truth to them. Love them and bring truth to them. I'm always amazed. I'm, I'm going around and I'll be in a church area and I'll, I'll start ministering to somebody, right? Some another, another believer. And, and, and we say, hey, I want you to take this guy and I want you to disciple. And he says, okay, here, here's my phone number. You call me. That's what he'll say to this unbeliever. But wait a second, let me help you. That unbeliever is not going to call you. He's running from what? The truth. You get his phone number and you chase him down. Am I right? I believe in the dragging ministry. But you, you understand, I have friends right here at this church that need to be dragged to Christ. Oh, in the most loving and gentle and gracious way. They don't need to be condemned to Christ. They need to be lovingly carried to Christ, but don't let them out. Their greatest joy is Christ. Their greatest need is Christ. But we've got to go, and we've got to go till we baptize them, till they acknowledge that Jesus Christ is their Lord, till they bend the knee to him as Lord. And the third thing we need to do is what? Look at it. What does it say? Teach them what? Teach them to Observe what? I'm sorry, teach them to what? Everybody louder. Come on, teach them to what? Observe all that I have commanded. Hear this. Understand pastors and the rest. Our job. Our job and our calling is not to just call people to say a prayer. That is not our job. Our calling is to call people to change their lifestyle. We are calling people to come under the lordship of Jesus Christ in all areas. 
we're not just calling people by just teaching them. That's not the job. Most pastors, we think just because we preach, we're done. My friend, that is not your job. Your job is to preach and help them to the point where they what? Observe all that God has commanded. We are calling them to change their lifestyle. Listen, if our lifestyle and our ministry is not resulting in the observance of the king's words, the king's good law, we've failed to do our job. What are you doing as mothers? Simple. You're telling your kids there's a king and you're teaching them to follow Jesus. Anytime they get to the right, anytime they get to the left, you're what? Bringing them back. Elders, what is your job? To help these church people follow Jesus. Anytime they get to the right or to the left, you're what? Bringing them back, that's your job. Because we want to teach our people to follow all that Christ has commanded. Listen, there is this mentality that we are just to call people to to just say a prayer. Listen, Christianity is coming under the lordship of Jesus Christ. Someone who says, I'm a follower of Jesus, but does not follow after him is a fake. A Christian is one who is sold all to what? Follow Jesus. Isn't that what the Bible says? Listen, that's why we have biblical counseling. It's because we want to teach you how to follow Jesus. Let me just take you to my village for one moment. If you come to my village, you're going to see a whole society of people that have never known Jesus. They've never followed Jesus. That husband and wife never marry. So they live with this emptiness inside of their own hearts of never having security of love. And because they don't have that security, she keeps her money, he keeps his money. And as a result of that, they have children. Whose child is it? I don't know. So that child is never loved and owned because they never know whether that child will go with the man or the woman. Then when she gets thrown out and it's only a matter of time, then what happens? That child... Who does he go? If he goes with a husband, that woman never loves him like a child, loves that child like they should. And so that child lives a life of neglect. Are you getting this? You see, the world today wants to say, Christians, be quiet. Let's have marriage anyway. Listen, do not allow it to happen because when we do things not God's way, there is utter pain. And we need to tell them, please come to Christ. Come under the rule of Christ so that you might have joy. And listen, as we have gone to Uganda, we have had the privilege of seeing marriage. And then when this marriage comes, teaching him to follow God's way and love his wife. An African home, a man will beat his wife. There's a saying in Uganda, if you don't love her, you don't beat her. Tell your wife that. Let's see what happens. Dads, when they come home, kids scatter and run away because they don't want to be beat by this stick this long and this thick. Because when he's angry, he just comes at them. So everybody's living in fear. And you need to know this because, listen, this is where America is going. You want to abandon God? You want to abandon his kingship and his rule? Listen, it's only going to bring about pain and destruction. Young people, you're going into a world right now. You're going to high school and junior high, and everybody's going to tell you this is fun. Living outside of the king's way is fun. Don't listen to him for a moment. Because God's way is 
best. God's way is what, kids? Best. And you hold on to his way and follow him as your master. My dear friends, there is joy and a protection and following him as the master. So God is saying, go and love the world by getting them to follow me. That is our mission. That is our commission. That is exactly what he told these disciples to do. Go into all the world. Don't just stop in Jerusalem, but go to the other parts of the world and thank God for the Apostle Paul because we are here today because Paul laid down his life for others. What a joy to see three go into my church, they stand up and to see 300 people proclaiming the name of Jesus Christ. Amen? Don't be ashamed to go on a love mission. Don't be fooled to think that, that this is all that it's about. No, we have a king on a kingdom, and, and we're in his kingdom. You know, I am so thankful for Teen Challenge. Because many of us would never go to those people. But you know what Teen Challenge is doing? It's saying, listen, you need Jesus. Why are they doing it? Why isn't the church doing that? Why aren't we going out there and grabbing them and loving them the way Jesus would love them? Why? Why are we so preoccupied with everything but the dying and hurting around us? Why do we hear our friends, our own brothers and sisters gossiping and slandering and they're all wicked in their heart and we don't realign them? Why? God's way's the best. Let us speak into the lives of others. Let us be bold and call everyone to follow our master. And listen, when we follow him in a pagan world, we show the world that he's what? king and that's how we glorify him but not only that but when we follow him we can see the intimacy of our wife the joy of our children and that's the enjoyment that God wanted for us in the garden of Eden that he offers to us now if we'll follow him some of you are here today and you're not following Jesus you're running from him oh friend Follow your king for your good and for his glory. You have a sin problem. Bring your sin and say, God, help me. I want to end by giving you the last truth, and that is the promise. The last component, and that is the promise. You see, this mission is hard. When I went to Africa, it was hard. Let me tell you, first eight years was one pain after the next, one letdown after the next. Life is hard. Ministry is hard. It's not necessarily fun to run to everywhere across the U.S., but we got to do it. But we have this promise, and this is the promise. Look at verse 20, the end of 20. And lo, I am with you, what? Always, even to the end of the age. These are sweet words because Jesus says, hey, that's what the low is. Behold, listen. I, I myself in Greek, I myself, I personally will be with you even to the end 
of this age. Oh, friends, those words are so sweet. You're not alone in this journey, my friend. Jesus is right there with us. Don't complain. He's right there with you, and he'll be with you, what? Always. My brothers and sisters, you are in his kingdom. He is the king. May we call all people everywhere, our own souls, our wives, our children, all to observe all that he has commanded for his praise and man's good. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this message. And Father, may we live not like we're left here to do our own. May we live with the reality that we're in your kingdom. And may we give praise and glory to your glorious name. Father, I pray that you would call sinners who are running from you to bend the knee to you. Father, I pray that you would send people from here to the uttermost parts of the earth. Thank you for the vision that these brothers and sisters have to do kingdom impact. Father, I pray too that you would call some to help carry the responsibility we have to free us from this responsibility of fundraising that we can focus on what needs to be done in Uganda. Father, be exalted to, to the King, immortal, invisible, to the only true God, glory and honor forevermore. Amen.